The truth is contagious. Lying is, but the truth is as well. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something, you are filled with this, I don't want to get supernatural on you, but you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it. Tell the truth about something. You feel it every day. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. It's measurable in the way that you feel. And, of course, the opposite is also true. The more you lie, the weaker and more terrified you become. We all know that feeling. You lie about something, and all of a sudden you're a prisoner of that lie. You are diminished by it. You are weak and afraid. Drug and alcohol use is the same way. It makes you weak and afraid. But you look around, and you see these people, and some of them really have paid a heavy price for telling the truth. And they are cast out of their groups, whatever those groups are, but they do it anyway. And some of them have paid a heavy price for telling the truth, says Tucker Carlson. That was an event for Heritage uh, recently. And of course, more recently, Tucker has paid a price. He is no longer with Fox News. And there's a lot of speculation about, you know, what happened, what happened. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, But I just want to remind you that this might give you a hint about what happened. This is AOC in a comment just a few weeks ago federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. Very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez weighing in on Tucker Carlson, of course, by inference, and some by more than inference, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Well, Fox has paid, uh, just paid Dominion Voter Systems nearly a billion dollars. That makes a lot more sense than saying actually $787 million, which is the exact amount, but that is almost a billion dollars because of what the whole world now wants to say is a big lie. Tucker was one of those persons that dared to talk about that big lie. He just had Mike Lindell on. That took a lot of courage. Is there a connection? Um, I don't know. Um, I hear all kinds of things. I'm not prepared to tell you what happened. Uh, But we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about this whole business about voter malfeasance and why this is so important to the left, uh, that they would shut down a news channel, that they would uh, uh, threaten and sue other news channels. What's happening here. We're going to talk about it in just a second. But first, of course, I couldn't talk to you about these things without the support of Preborn. Preborn has come alongside us to be our sponsor, and we're so grateful for that. And of course, that translates to real people, real people like your aunts, your cousins, your sisters, and maybe even your mother earlier in her life. We'll talk about one, Henrietta. When Henrietta discovered that she was pregnant, her boyfriend wanted her to have an abortion. However, he gave her the final choice. She made an appointment with a pre-born network clinic counselor who encouraged her to get an ultrasound, but she canceled her ultrasound session several times, claiming that she was scared of seeing her unborn baby since it would complicate her decision. Soon after, she contacted pre-born again because she had gone to an abortion clinic and vowed out that she was carrying not one but two babies. She couldn't bring herself to terminate both lives, and so instead... She parted ways with the abortion clinic and reached out to Preborn in order to receive love and assistance 
after deciding to go through with her pregnancy. And she is a real person, and that's part of the kinds of things that preborn does. If you would like to help them provide ultrasounds for moms like Henrietta, who were able to see their two little ones, she was able to see her two little ones, not just one, inside of her, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, sit back and maybe you won't relax, but this is an interesting discussion on voting machines and the reason why the left does not want you to have any kind of suspicion whatsoever about them. This is Sandy Rios 24-7. Stay tuned. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. For researchers have repeatedly de- demonstrated that ballot recording machines and other voting systems are susceptible to tempering. Even hackers with limited prior knowledge, tools, and resources are able to breach voting machines in a matter of minutes. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates Cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. It is the individual voting machines that some pose that pose some of the greatest risk. There are a lot of states that are dealing with antiquated machines right, which are vulnerable to being hacked. Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. Forty-three percent of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws, including back doors. We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know, I know that hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who before our eyes hacked election machines. Um, those that are not, those that are being used in many states. Aging systems also frequently rely on unsupported software like Windows XP and 2000, which may not receive regular security patches and are thus more vulnerable to the latest methods of cyber attack. In a close presidential election, they just need to hack one swing state, or maybe one or two, or maybe just a few counties in one swing state. I'm very concerned that you could have a hack that finally went through. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Uh, the reason I play that for you, and if you didn't recognize those voices, it started with Adam Schiff. Uh, we heard Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, Ted Lieu, others, but they're all Democrats. And they were all talking about the 2016 election. Uh, and shortly after that, there was actually a movie uh, made that showed, uh, that was aired on, I think, Netflix or Amazon that talked about voter, the deficiencies in the voting machine. 
Uh, and I, I wanted to, I, I mentioned this to you today because in this last few weeks recently, of course, this is a podcast. It depends on when you listen to it. But in the recent times before we've been recording this this morning, uh, there have been people just dis- declaring again that this is a big lie. I hear it all the time in Washington. It's, uh, it's, it's, I cannot believe that they, the pushback has been so strong uh, that even people that I think are otherwise reasonable are not willing to entertain there might have been a problem with their voting machines in the 2020 election. And so um, recently, of course, Fox News settled. Dominion is the big, big dog in the fight. He's, they're not the only uh, voting machine company, but they're the ones that have sued everyone. They sued Newsmax. They sued Fox. They sued Mike Lindell. Um, and uh, why are they doing that? I would be more inclined to think there wasn't a problem with the machines if there weren't so many lawsuits and um, insistences that everyone shut up on any of the discussion. Uh, so I just want to point, I just want to mention that, and then I want to introduce our guest. Pat Kolbeck is a good friend, friend of the show, former senator from Michigan, former NASA scientist. Uh, Pat has been working on this since the beginning, uh, and it, that's how I got to know him. And so I've asked him to join us this morning because he too is concerned. Uh, that the record has to be set straight on what's true and what isn't about this. And I've asked him to join me this morning. Pat, Pat thanks for joining me. Oh, it's great to be with you, Sandy. Thanks for taking up the cause here. Well, it's a dangerous cause, as you both, as we both know. Uh, uh, be- because yes, it, they it have man- <laughs> they've managed to silence almost everyone except Mike Lindell. Now, he just, uh, what happened with Mike recently in regard to Dominion? So they- so when he had his cyber symposium panel, Mike put out a $5 million challenge to anybody who could prove that the data that he had was not election data. And the arbitration panel came back and decided in favor of somebody who had challenged his assertion on that. And um, you know, bottom line is it comes down to what is the definition of election data, and that was never really determined by that panel. And, you know, it's tough to go off and verify whether or not it's election data or not because all those that montage that you did beforehand, um, highlighted that uh, there were concerns with this election data uh, and the uh, conduct of our elections with these electronic voting systems. However, we can't get access to any of that data. The logs that are supposed to be providing the audit trail for who's modifying those election records, we can't get access to them, and it comes down to transparency. So really, um, the ability to go off and witness exactly how these elections are being executed is severely challenged by these voting systems. So it's not just that they're vulnerable. It's just that uh, it's also that we don't have access to how they're actually processing the the votes. How are they tabulating the votes? We have zero access to that, and that's kind of at the heart of that arbitration decision. And frankly, it's something that was disappointing when we were talking about the Dominion settlement with with Fox News. Um, and uh, is that it didn't go to trial because we would have had discovery in that to actually get access to that information. So um, really a key word to take away from all that is transparency. Well, Pat, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, Fox paid Dominion almost a billion dollars, just short yeah. of a uh, billion dollars. Uh, and, now, and you would think that it might be worth going to trial. Uh, to prove that the, the, the discussions on Fox, whatever they were, Tucker was one of them yeah. that you know dared to mention it, or at least allowed discussion sometimes. Uh, Tucker Carlson, yeah. who's been now you know severed from Fox, um, that they, it might be worth a discussion. That the, the discussions that took place on Fox were legit or were reasonable. 
There's no reason why. Yeah. And Dominion and should Catherine have been put Brecht on. Yeah. Yeah, Dominion should have been in a position to prove that there wasn't anything nefarious about what they exactly. were doing. That's what makes me suspicious. And so, well, um, but I'm, here's what here's what happened on that settlement. Originally, it was a 1.6 billion dollars in damages for a company that's only worth 40 million dollars if you look at its average sales. So something's suspect on the surface there, and they settled for 787 million dollars, and they settled shortly after the jury was decided for that case. Um, so they they kind of. Uh, kind of read the tea leaves on the wall and said, there's no way we're going to get a good judgment from this jury. So the libel insurance provider for Fox News, I'm sure, went off and said, you know what, we don't want to pay $1.6 billion. We'll settle for the $787 million. And I'm not even sure that Fox even had a role in that decision. So um, bottom line is, we didn't get an opportunity to go off and do discovery on that, which is a shame because uh, as you just showed with that montage, there are a lot of electron- electronic voting system vulnerabilities. Um, they were all discussed prior to November 3rd, 2020. And uh, the key thing is we're not allowed to talk about that post-November 3rd, 2020. And those vulnerabilities are, are still there. They were never addressed. And frankly, um, there's even more information that's showing that not only were they vulnerable, but they actually we have proof of exploits. And that's what I put out in that uh, post out on letsfixup.org, is that not only was there a lot of discussion of these vulnerabilities before November 3rd, but there are a lot of them after November 3rd. And we actually have images from these machines that demonstrate that these vulnerabilities were exploited. Okay, so I have to ask you, just listening to you a few minutes ago, um, I would want to ask if I this is new to me or if I'm a skeptic because why wouldn't you be? Uh, some of even the, the yeah. you know the smartest people in the room are saying, "Oh, this is a uh, nonsense." So, are you saying to me, Pat, and to all of us that uh, all of the things you've talked about on voting machines and what Mike Lindell has discussed and what Sidney Powell was talking about and and Rudy Giuliani was just speculation? That Rudy Giuliani, everything that they were talking about, no. They actually had data at the time that indicated these vulnerabilities. Those affidavits are still out there. They're still valid. And I believe we're going to come around full circle and prove Rudy and prove Sidney right once we get uh, into the true court of public opinion. But as you can tell with the Fox settlement and the fact that nobody can talk about election fraud anywhere after November 3rd because it was quote-unquote, the most secure election in American history, it's, it quelches that discussion. Anybody who talks about election fraud or these vulnerabilities that were in vogue before November 3rd um, is cited with a, uh, a threatened law, legal action by folks like Dominion. So it sends a chill up the spine, and a lot of people refuse to talk about it. Well, I'm one of those folks. Mike's, uh, Mike Lindell is one of those folks. Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips are some of those folks, and Patrick Byrne that will not stay silent on it, and as a result, we get targeted. Yeah, you sure do. All right. So, I, um, it, we, look, this is complex. Uh, so I'm asking the impossible, Pat, uh, but you have done this. Uh, you, your new article is, What Evidence Do We Have of Electronic Voting System Vulnerabilities? I commend this article on Let's Fix Stuff. Stuff.com. Dot com, right? Let's fix stuff. Dot org. Dot org. will work, but it's dot org is the hosting site. Yeah. Let's fix stuff. Dot org. All right. So that's Pat's uh, site. He's got tons of information up there, but let's touch, of course, 
on uh, the reasons why you as an engineer, well, well, first, let me just say this. My observation by a lot of the people, because there are a lot of people who work on uh, voter malfeasance, I'll just say that. I'm not going to mention names, but there's a lot of work that's yeah. going on uh, to try to, to you know, bring things into line on voter integrity. There's voter rolls and, you know, all of it. Uh, and people are out there working. And I'm a lot of them are my good friends and I believe in what they're doing. And they're right. Uh, the Democrats have corrupted the voting system with mail-in balloting and changing the dates. And they've manipulated it while Republicans were asleep. That's a fact. And they did a yeah, ton of damage. It and there's no, there's no uh, doubt that that affected the 2020 election. Uh, but it seems to me many, many, most, if not all of those people say this whole thing about the voting machines is nonsense. Uh, they think Sidney Powell, I, I heard that Sidney described as crazy. I think there was some email now about uh, with Tucker's private exchanges with some of the Fox hosts talking about, uh, you know, asserting uh, that people that believe yeah. this are crazy. All right. So, but my theory, Pat, and I'm, I just want to ask you, is that they, uh, the people that are in the business who know so much about it, they do, they've been in it for a long time and they're experts at the voting process, don't really know machines don't really have the technological yeah, they, qualifications to understand that part. You are over the target, Sandy, because because these machines are so complex, because that the election processes that they've uh, implemented to that include these machines are so complex, what they're doing now is outsourcing more and more of these election processes from elected officials like clerks, and they're giving them to third parties and NGOs and private companies like Dominion, like ESNS, to actually manage our elections. And what should be concerning to everybody, and why I harp on the word transparency, is that these are non-public entities. They are not subject to Freedom of Information Act requests. We cannot go off and witness, for example, exactly how our votes are tallied. That should be the most transparent process in an election, is actually seeing the votes being added. We can't see that. As a poll challenger, certified poll challenger, I was denied access repeatedly, not just in 2020, but also in 2022, from observing the tabulation of the votes. And people need to start asking, who are these trusted sources that get access to our sensitive election data? And who are the organizations and who are the people that don't get access to them? And for me, it's, uh, you know, everything on our election should be transparent to everybody. I mean, We've got organizations like Rock the Vote, which is not not very often accused of being a conservative organization. They have full access to the voter rolls here in Michigan. We've got a data sharing agreement. They have what's called an API or an application program interface tied directly into our qualified voter file. They have access to that information, but nobody else has access to that information. Every citizen, when, when I want to go off and get access to that data, I have to submit a FOIA request, and it costs me money every time I submit that request. They get to tap into that data stream for free and get real-time access. What's wrong with that picture? So I think we need to start challenging these guys as they outsource more and more of these election processes to these opaque um, private organizations that we can't oversee in any meaningful form. Um, we need to start saying whatever data they have access to, everybody should have access to. Pat, from I remember our first conversation way back I think it was after, I don't know if it was after, 20. it has to be before 2016 maybe, I don't know. But we were talking about machines and the thing that I, of course, remember that we should reiterate 
it's pretty fundamental for you and for me now, actually, having talked to you so much. Uh, it's my recollection that the claim for these voting machines for the companies that produce them has been that they are not connected to the Internet. They are not. <laughs> they are just tallying yeah. the ballots that go in wherever they go in in that local uh, case. And that's that was key to what you discovered. Yeah. Was it not? Isn't that kind I, of the... I think so. <laughs> Anybody who believes it, first of all, all in that montage you were talking about, I know NBC did a story before the uh, 2020 election highlighting how these machines are connected to the Internet. Um, if you actually read the contracts with the, between the state of Michigan and all these uh, voting system vendors, they all talk about Internet connections. We have purchase orders with modems being sold. Um, and, and so it's, it's no surprise. And by the way, uh, this is something that a lot of people don't know about. But uh, in all 50 states across America, in jurisdictions within those states, there's an organization called Center for Internet Security that actually is charged with managing the security of our elections at what are called Election Integrity Isaac Center. And so why do you have an organization called the Center for Internet Security um, working to ensure the security of our elections if there's no Internet connections? Well, that's a good question. And, of course, the in case for, for just, you know, to fill in the obvious blank is, if a voting machine is connected to the Internet, that means that someone somewhere can access the data. And that is the yeah. issue. Yeah, and that's the accusation. Right. And exactly. And the Center for Internet Security not only has access to the data from all these different municipalities all across America, they also had the ability to analyze that data and, frankly, even modify that data if they see fit to do so um, in a decrypted state. So usually when you transmit over the Internet, you encrypt it so nobody can take a peek at what it is. I have uh, copies of endpoint service agreements with uh, Wayne County here in Michigan that demonstrate that they're peeking under the hood of this data as well. So they have access to voter roll information and uh, vote tabulation data that nobody else has access to on election night. You know, Pat, as I uh, understand... You know, I'm trying to reason through this. It seems to me that uh, Newsmax also was sued, and have they been sort of silent on this issue as well? Yeah, correct me if yes I'm wrong. Have. Yeah, so it was, been it was very the, few people that have been outspoken on it. Um, Epic Times has been outspoken. Uh, obviously, Mike uh, Lindell with Frank Speech has been very outspoken on it, but there's uh, very, very few people doing it because of the threat of lawsuits. I mean, literally, as soon as somebody puts in a lawsuit alleging election fraud. It's the lawyers that are being targeted um, with uh, with uh, sanctions like what was happening with uh, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. But in Michigan, they actually launched a special counsel from the attorney general's office to investigate any lawyer who filed um, cases uh, alleging election fraud. What they're trying this is this type of stuff that happened in the wake of the passage of the Nuremberg laws in 1933. It shouldn't be happening in America. It shouldn't be happening in America, but it is. And, you know, I, I actually thought naively that this whole business of calling uh, the the bad election or the, the problems with the 2020 election uh, the big lie, I thought we were going to win that with the truth. And it's interesting to me, Pat, that it's just they've dub just doubled down and they've silenced yeah, more they people. And, of course, it is at well, the heart of it are these huge lawsuits and these huge rewards, and people are very afraid. 
So, um, it, well, we're in the middle the other... of an information war, right? And, yes, yes. and if they lose, they lose everything. So they're all in. They're like a raccoon backed up in an alley. They're going to throw everything they possibly can to make sure that they win this information war. And we have to be um, equally committed to go off and expose the truth. And that's I'm thankful that there's, it's not just me. There's meddling kids all over the country that are helping out and doing the research like the you know, remember Catherine and Greg Engelbrecht, they, uh, or Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, sorry. Um, they, uh, went out and, uh, launched that pit and, and empowered all these citizen investigators to check up on everything that they said and was it true or not. And, and now we've got a whistleblower from within Koenig that actually verifies everything that Catherine and Greg asserted about the connections with the Chinese Communist Party and Koenig. Wow. Well, I, I don't know. I don't see how would we know about that. But you know, what was the name of the network that uh, went off before Newsmax? It was an Amer. Um, they were the ones that OAN. would report on this. Oh, yeah, yes, OAN. one one America yeah. News. Yeah, they were the ones that had the the. They were free of the. They were untethered on this issue, and for that, I was and very they've been grateful. Taken off dish now, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. Um, so they've got people that are working to go off and starve folks. Um, financially, start these organizations financially, and just like they're doing to these lawyers that decide to speak out, it's actually a concerted effort. And and actually, when you see some of the Zoom calls that I've seen, where these people that I, I, I highlight are, are behind what I call a coup, and that's the title of my book, The 2020 Coup, but in that, in that book, um, we highlight some of these organizations that were literally planning a coup, and when they they would run these simulations of what would happen if the election didn't turn out the way that they wanted. Um, and even if they turned out the way that they did want, but they wanted to protect their um, manipulation of the results, um, they would actually go off and target people and make sure that they had no source of income. Their sense of uh, their source of livelihood was going to be taken out. These guys were actually planning these activities and it's caught on zoom calls with them planning these uh, uh, activities. Uh, there's a group, called Protect the Results of 148 um, progressive organizations, including Planned Parenthood, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ Alliance, and the usual suspects, all working together in this consortium to protect the results at all costs. Never heard that, Pat. Never heard that. This is stuff. Let me just say, ask. I know you need to go. Let's fix stuff.org. You people can find information like this on Pat's site, letsfixstuff.org. It's getting increasingly more difficult to find it. And, of course, Frank's speech, uh, Mike Lindell, in, with his courage, covers this. And so uh, those are the two sources that I would recommend for right now to learn the truth and actually figure out what you might be able to do about it. Uh, in fact, with that, one last thing, Pat, besides being informed, is there something they can do? Yeah, start asking for why the disparity between the people that have access to this information and who don't have access. Why is it that these private companies and private corporations have access to data that determines who the next leader of the free world is, yet the American people as a whole can't get access to this data? There should be um, some people held accountable for the fact that even clerks can't get access to some of this data. You saw what happened to Tina Peters. There's a clerk here in Michigan that got removed from oversight for asking inconvenient questions 
there's an issue here with who has access to this election data and who doesn't. And we're being asked to put a lot of trust in people that, frankly, when you dig into their history of telling the truth, it is not a very good history. <laughs> so um, what people can be doing is asking for more and more transparency. And uh, I think when we shed the light of day on exactly how our elections are run and who's actually running them, I think that'll turn things around for us in a powerful way. All right, Pat Colback, former state senator from Michigan, um, and you can go to letsfixstuff.org and read more about what he's talking about. Pat, thank you so much for your courage Uh, and for joining us this morning. Hey, thanks for being one of our meddling kids, Sandy. Appreciate it. (laughs) My pleasure. All right, Sandy Rios, 24-7. This is Sandy Rios, 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, well, that was some discussion, wasn't it? Sandy Rios back with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. You might have some comments about what we just talked about. If you would like to make those comments, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or write us the old-fashioned way. Well, it's old-fashioned now. Email as sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. And as usual, you know, you can find us on all podcast platforms. AFR.net is where our home base is always. But you can find us on Spotify and Apple and all the others if you have such a mind. Uh, we are thankful to Preborn for their wonderful sponsorship of this show. We are very grateful. Just $28, you can sponsor a life-changing ultrasound and write a news story. Uh, we talked about the... Um, the, the girl in the first, uh, Henrietta, her story of finding out she was pregnant with twins. And because of the ultrasound, she sees these babies and she does not terminate her pregnancy. Uh, you can write a new story about some other girl. Uh, donations of any size go towards saving babies and caring for mothers. And all contributions are tax deductible. When you give, you'll receive pictures and stories of lives your gift helped to rescue. You can dial 250 and say the keyword baby, that's pound 250 baby, or visit preborn.com slash sandy. That's preborn.com slash sandy. Your love has the power to save a life. Look, Fox needs to reckon with the lies that it spread, and it may literally have to pay for the lies that it spread. But is it the role of government officials to demand that media organizations say things or tell media organizations what to put on their airwaves? Well, you know, it's hardly the first time that people have said Channel 4 should have done this, the New York Times should have done that. That's not unusual. But what has happened here is, and John, very unusual. This is not simply telling them what to do. This is telling them, showing them, that they have hurt our democracy probably a way that no other actor, maybe with the exception of Donald Trump, who used them, um... Uh, has done. And so when it's that vital, I think we not only have a right to tell Rupert Murdoch and Fox what to do, but an obligation. And I hope people from one end of the country to the other will call up Fox and say, do what uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries and I asked for, which is stop the lies, say they were wrong, and report the news. You may have a different way of reporting the news than someone else, fine, but lying is not part of that different way and cannot be. All right, so that's the uh, voice of the majority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer. Uh, You remember he threatened Neil Gorsuch 
Lisang Gorshitz, he threatened him on the Senate floor, and then he now he's threatening Fox. He did threaten Fox, and now Tucker Carlson is gone for whatever reason. We know he wasn't planning it. Uh, we also know that Fox News just signed, just paid Dominion Voting Systems seven hundred and eighty-seven million, almost a billion dollars, uh, to uh, you know rather than go to trial because they've been sued not to talk, or for, because their hosts had talked about voter malfeasance regarding voting machines in the 2020 election. So that's the, that's the platform for this. I've asked Bruce, my former FBI agent husband, to join me uh, just to, to, to reflect on this. Bruce, I'm really, really anxious to hear what your thoughts are. Yes, good morning. Um, I, I think it's really a dangerous situation if you look at it. Uh, do you think it's a coincidence that Chuck Schumer... In his capacity as the Senate leader, not as a private citizen, has called for um, reprisal against uh, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch in regards to abortion, and uh, and now has called for um, basically Fox News to report the news according to Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffers, not not facts but the facts the way they see them. And, you know, I never thought I would have any agreement with AOC on anything, but I will agree with her on this. Uh, when you start to incite violence, uh, you need to be called out. The problem is <laughs> what she says and what she does are two different things. Uh, she's always inciting violence. She's always inciting people to um, uh, confront people that uh, don't agree with her. So, I mean, I, I, these people are basically strong-arming through their official positions as government officials. They're strong-arming a private entity, Fox News, to, quote-unquote, tell the truth the way they want it told. You know what's interesting, uh, Bruce, because earlier in the show, we started the show, actually, by playing a montage of all Democrats talking about the Dominion issue and the voter machines, because that's that's a huge part of what they want to shut up. That's not the only issue, of course. It's January 6th, it's COVID, it's all of it that Tucker has been so honest about. But on the, on the voting machines, uh, we started the show by a whole series, a whole montage, at least half a dozen of them, Democrats talking about voting machines and how they could be manipulated. And they talked about that after, after the 2016 election when Donald Trump shocked the world and won that race. Uh, so, you know, different strokes for different folks. I mean, it, it's, they are so bold in their lying. It's just amazing. Yes, and that, and, and that was, goes with what I was trying to say earlier. Um, AOC talks about violence, but have you ever heard her call out the Black Lives Matter? No, um, no of course not. Or the protests against the Supreme Court no. justices' homes? No. These people are so selective and have such an agenda. Uh, you know, and like you say, in 2016, they flip one way on election machines. On 2020, no, 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 no. There's no way to manipulate these machines. I mean... How, how do you believe anything any of these people say? And, you know, uh, in regards to Tucker Carlson, uh, you have known him a long time, haven't you, honey? I have. I actually have. Because when I was in D.C. Uh, as president of Concerned Women for America, I, I did a ton of media. In fact, that's why you and I have a funny story about how our first date. We were <laughs> supposed to go out, and I had to cancel because I had to be, I was on the Alan Keyes show with uh, 
debating former Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders. So I was all I was on MSNBC and CNN and all of the networks at the time, and several times, often several times a week. Uh, but uh, CNN had a program called Crossfire at the time. It's like ancient history now. <laughs> so funny. It's called Crossfire, and they uh, did the show live from George Washington University. Do you remember that show, honey? I do. Yeah, hosted by Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson and James Carville yes. and Paul Begala. Those were, they had one host on the right and another host at a time on the left. Uh, and they would oppose, and then they had guests that were diametrically opposed. So they'd have a, a, a liberal guest and a conservative guest, a liberal host and conservative host. And they, that's why it's called Crossfire, see? And as a live audience at George Washington University, and I was a guest often, and Tucker was. In fact, I was on so often, they ended up asking me to host. I hosted it with uh, Paul Begala several times, and that was, that was a great, that was fun. Uh, and one of, the, the, one of the reasons that came about, Tucker was very young then. I used to always wear a bow tie. He was always delightful and always smart, 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 but funny. Oh, my goodness, he was so funny. And uh, one night on Crossfire, I was a guest. And I'm not going to go into all the details of it. Let me just say that I said something that made James Carville very upset. And he stood up and started cursing on live television. This is live. Before this audience, he said the worst kind of cursing, you know, the G, yeah. And so, uh, and he's looking at me, and I'd, I'd enter, I had uh, debated James before. And he just, he's, he, he, now we're used to this, but we weren't at the time. He was not an honest debater. He would lie, 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 lie. And while you're trying to say the first thing that he said was wrong, he's got three more lies tucked in there or five. So I, this time I thought, I'm going to do this differently. And I noticed as he was yelling at me, he was foaming. He was like, like really, it was, it was, and I said, James, you're, you're dripping. You're drooling. And I handed him a cup. And he, then he went ballistic. Well, Tucker is sitting there. And he is, I'll never forget, he's laughing so hard. He said, so uh, that's the reason we had such, well, we had moments. Let's just say we had moments, and that's how I ended up actually hosting Crossfire sometimes. So uh, Tucker was very smart then. I think I have seen him. There's no doubt in my mind, you know, life does make us go deeper in some things. I've seen a spiritual side of him a depth in his uh, coverage, a depth in his understanding that I think has only increased with with the years. He really is a, a unique and wonderful gift to this country, I think. Well, I think his comment that he made about, tell the truth, just try telling the truth, and feel a spirit inside of you rise. What could be a better uh, endorsement of the kind of person he is, that he sees a story and he tells the truth? And, you, you know, I, I just picture in my mind, if you would flip the script on what happened with Schumer and uh, say Donald Trump called up CNN and said, you know, you, you people are lying. You need to tell the story this way. Can you imagine the blowback from that? Yeah. Censorship, oppression by the government. I mean, people would be screaming from the housetops. But because it's our side, uh, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we're getting used to it, aren't we? Maybe I hope that we don't get too used to it. It's just wrong. And we will miss, miss Tucker, and we look forward so much to seeing him show up somewhere else where we can access uh, the information that he brings us. It's so unique. It's so powerful. 
Honey, thank you for joining me. This has been an interesting day, and uh, I hope that all of you enjoyed it. So uh, thanks for listening to Sandy Rios 24-7.